Hello and welcome to Wonderful. I'm David Pearl, the founder of Street Wisdom, and this is a podcast we've designed for anyone who wants to get some inspiration on the go. Today, a lot of us are listening to podcasts while we walk. Wonderful is a podcast designed specifically for that, a podcast to walk to, something to put a bit of wonder in your wonder. You're welcome to listen to this as you wander around your home or lying on the sofa even. You'll find inspiration is actually everywhere. But if you've got a bit of time, and let's face it, we've all got a bit of time, let's boot up and head out into the street. So hello there, wonderful people, wanderer, wanderists, wanderians. I'm not sure what we call ourselves, but I hope you're out there wandering about, keeping it all a bit non-linear. Um, this is David calling you from London, where um, life is, yeah, life is good. Life is good. Um, but I've been wandering around in anticipation of this podcast, thinking a little bit about change, that, that big subject. I don't know about you, but I often feel as though secretly a bit powerless to change things. There are things that I'd love to change and just don't feel I'm, I'm able to. Um, which is why I really admire people, entrepreneurs and activists and the doers. And our guest this week is all of them and more. And she's brilliant. She's called Deborah Coughlin. Deb, she told me. She also goes by Debs, so I'm allowed to call her Debs. Debs Coughlin. And I first came across Debs through um, Wakey TV. Check it out. It's a brilliant app. Um, that works with your phone alarm and basically wakes you up laughing. Um, you have to go and see how they do that. But it's part of um, Deb's uh, current passion, current mission really, which is to democratise mental health. She says she wants to be the ASDA of mental health as opposed to the waitress. Anyway, I say current because um, this is a lady who loves researching and developing. She loves R&D. She loves developing new ideas. And um, in fact, when we spoke to her, it was during a break in a day-long innovation session she was having with her own team. So she is at it 24-7. And um, I fully expect that soon she'll be on to something new. But in our conversation, she talks about some of her past innovations. She talks about her, her feminist punk choir gaggle. Uh, she talks about um, a brilliant book she does, which my daughter has. My daughter's a strong feminist. And uh, she's written this book called Outspoken, which is kind of inspiring speeches by inspiring women. Um, and um, also she talks about she talks about that. And she also talks about where on earth does she get the energy to do all of this changing? Um, so I think you're really going to enjoy um, the chat with Deborah Coughlin. And at the end... I am going to suggest a little exercise that we can do together, inspired by Deborah, um, which might help us feel that we can actually can make some changes, even when we suspect we can't. So, no further ado, bring it on, Deborah Coughlin. Do you remember a time when you just kind of tripped over an idea, or when, when an idea sort of had you? It went, oi, Deborah. I'm an idea and I want to be expressed. Yes, that happened with Gaggle, which was my punk feminist choir that... Became... <laughs> tell me, tell me. 
Tell us. That took over my life. Um, yeah, so I was in a band. I was in an um, also ran indie band in the mid-noughties, and I hit a cowbell and played a synth and screamed. And uh, <laughs> we had like a... We had a runner-up single of the week in Enemy and single of the week on MTV too. So this is before YouTube was even like the play. You know, people still watch MTV, and um, um, I just remember like I I didn't I out. There were two women in the band. I was one of them, and we kind of just didn't get treated very well, basically. So I I could see how we were being treated. I wasn't being listened to, even though. I was writing the music uh, with my friend Steve and um, and I was just watching how women were being sexualized on the stage and it just seemed wholly unfair that it, it seemed like sexism was still alive and well in the music industry and I just couldn't I couldn't quite believe it actually um, and um, and then yeah I just had this idea what I'd love to do is just put is I'd like to fill the stage with ordinary women in an extraordinary way. So you didn't have to audition to be in Gaggle. You didn't have to be a great singer. I was going to make sure that you didn't look like you. You couldn't compete with who had the biggest boobs or who was skinnier. We were going to like completely mess with the way you looked, including me. And um, yeah, and then I decided I was going to market it towards NME so that 17-year-old boys would hear about feminism. This was like 2009. And within a few months, it worked. We were in like the top 50, future 50, along with them, um, uh, which was meant to be the biggest innovators in music next to Bowie and Kate Bush. I couldn't believe it, actually. We were at number 50, to be fair. Like, we'd been squeezed in the end. Girl, you got there. You were in the top 50. You were 50th, but doesn't it still a top 50? Exactly. <laughs> with Bowie. <laughs> But it was like, it was just, it was an idea that was just the right idea for that moment. And I know we had a great influence on things that have happened since. Um, and we did all kinds of things. We got signed to Transgressive, who are an amazing record label. And we did an, an album, we did an opera, we did a musical at the Almeida of Lysistrata. Um, There was something about that idea and it was just simply born out of what would... Like, what would rebalance the situation that I was seeing? And I was like, I'm going to put 40 women on that stage who are uncompromisingly weird, basically, and themselves and aren't trying to be pretty or sound nice. Um, and it worked. It, yeah. it was the right thing to do at that moment. I love that, that idea of rebalancing the situation. You saw something that didn't seem right and thought, yeah. how can I rebalance that? Very different, seems to me, impulse than most people would have when they're thinking about performance, entertainment, rock and roll and stuff, which is more about me, me, me. Yeah. But you were sitting there looking at, this, looking at the situation going, oh, this isn't right, let's, let's counterbalance. Is that, is that a Deb's thing? Is that, is that what you do? Yeah, I think probably so. I think the thing I always take from that is the fact that I could have pitched that. Like, so I could have been like, okay, this is marketed towards kind of girl, riot girl fanzines. But I was absolutely sure, no, it had to get an enemy. It had to be in things like the Evening Standard, the Times. Like, it had to be in a world, in the world that was writing about music and wasn't 
looking for women or wasn't looking for feminism. And so I really wanted not to be preaching to the choir, basically. So the important thing was to transgress, to take, to get an idea that would cut through to the people that actually, if you managed to change their minds, it would change that industry rather than just speaking to the people who are already on your side. Right. You know? And I think I still do that. Yeah. One of the most tiring, I'm going to come back to that, but you just sparked something in me, which is one of the most tiring things I find is being around a group of lovely people who agree. There's, you know, it's nice for the first like 17 minutes and then like, oh my God, this is awful. But in theatre that happens a lot. You know, get people agree about how difficult it is and when no one understands us. It's like, okay, you know, but um, change. You, you, you've said to me before that you're all about change. You want to get things to change. Is that right? Is that, you know, if we broke you open, will we have, let's change things written down the middle of Deborah Coughlin? Yeah, I think so. I think I I just want I just think life can be fairer and it can be more fun for most people. And um and so I'm interested in all the different ways that you can make that happen. And I suppose at the moment one of the big things on my mind is how does change actually happen? Um I think we all make a lot of assumptions about how it happens. Um and so I I'm I'm interrogating myself a lot about that at the moment. What are you finding? Give us some hope. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there are some changes that are aha moments that are like, oh, I get that. And now I'm going to meditate 10 minutes a day. or And now I'm going to be this slightly different person because I've had this realization. I think that does happen. But I think most change is actually much slower and so such tiny increments of change that it's more like skin tanning or hair going gray. It is a more gradual process. And then you look back 10 years later and you're like, oh, I am different, but I'm not different in the ways that 10 years ago I wrote down. Mm. I'm going to, you know, not eat, you know, I'm not going to, I don't know, all the things we say, we're not going to eat donuts or we're not going to, uh, <laughs> you know, we're not going to read the mail online ever again. We're not going to, all these things we say mm. we might never do. And then, um, and then of course we fall back into them, but there are things that change regardless of all the things you're trying to change what's that thing life is um life is what happens while you're making plans it's kind of like change is what happens while you're planning your changes you know it happens anyway i love that idea i mean it's slightly frustrating for the ego because it wants to think oh i'm deciding deborah's going to do this but i must say as you're talking i'm thinking about some of the things that i've done that have been that have sort of matched the moment if you like things like street Mm. wisdom which was just a Mm. kind of you know, it's a series of nudges and things that people said to me. And then suddenly here we are in 67 countries, da di da Did I make that happen? Or is it, is it because we're tuning into something that wants to happen? Mm. It's, you know, do you feel that we are powerless in the change? Or do you feel there's a role we can play to kind of make the change happen? Or are we just simply the spectators as our, as our hairs go grey or whatever it is? I think it is a combination. I mean, I know what it feels to to be to come before a wave and to come on a wave. You know, what's the so, difference? Give us an example for you. Well, Gaggle was before the wave, so we actually had we actually arrived in 2014, mm. we would have had a mass market audience that would have been interested in what we were doing. Mm. Whereas, what it, we came in 2009. 
And so we were like a quirky, weird thing. Like some of the reviews of us, uh, now if you read them, you'd just be like, how did they get away with that, mm-hmm. writing that review? Because now things have changed a bit in how people talk about feminism. Um, and, you know, feminism is an interesting one to look at because it has come in waves. There have been four waves of it. And um, if you're the person writing a book in between the waves, um, your book is not going to sell as well as mm. if you wrote that book in the middle of that wave. Mm, mm. Um, and um, and I think that happens with almost everything. I think that there's a wave that makes this the the right time. And I think it is hard if you're, you know, if you're somebody who thinks it, who's seeing things just a little bit further ahead, like mm. can see five steps ahead. Um, it can mean, um, I think there's a lot of artists who are in that situation and they can end up feeling like, well, they, you know, they're just not quite, Yeah. I don't know, it's not quite hitting it. I've definitely been in that situation. And then, of course, there's being after the wave where you go, oh, my God, all those people <laughs> did that amazing thing. And why didn't I even realise? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about Outspoken. Go on, speak about <laughs> Outspoken. What is Outspoken and and what, yeah, what, and where did that idea come from? So I, I had a, basically I had a mental health breakdown in my 20s. And... Um, me too. Yes! High five. High five across, <laughs> across the Zoom. Um, and... A poet, a poet who drank in the pub I was working in left me a book called The Golden Notebook by Doris Lesson. And it changed my life. So I read it and discovered that there was this thing called psychotherapy in it. Um, and it I it was about writer's block effectively. And, and I had had a kind of writer's block or a creative block or just a block and so I decided one of the ways I started Gaggle straight after that, the the punk feminist choir, and I started a master's at London Metropolitan University because I was like, I need something to help me like unblock. And one of the things I looked at during that master's was women's speeches. And there was just one book on women's speeches and all the other books on speeches had like a token Thatcher or a token Pankhurst, but it was just all men. And I found this one book on women's speeches and um, and it was really, it's a great book, I've got it, but it's really theoretical and academic. And I thought, you know, we really, we've got a problem here, which is the thought leadership of women, including these waves of feminism, um, gets forgotten. And so we can't stand on their shoulders. We can't build on it. Um, we'll end up repeating ourselves, basically. Um, so I had this idea, this was about 2008, this should be a book. I didn't know how to get a book done. And anybody I spoke to, you know, I happened to meet a publisher, or, you know, in a pub or something, or somebody who knew something about books was like, yeah, I don't know, I can't see it. <laughs> so I started a show, I got a commission. Oddball. That is oddball going crazy. Get him in. And then that's Steve running after Oddball. These are the sounds. Um, you got I a got, show. Yeah, I got a commission for the ICA and they they gave me a small bit of money to do anything I wanted. And I was like, right, I'm doing the speech thing. So I asked Charlotte Church 
to join um some other like high profile women to join and just come and read a speech for free in the ICA <clears throat> and um and they did and Charlotte's become a friend now actually because she's amazing and uh, she's Welsh and I'm very fond of the Welsh. Uh, <laughs> and um, we uh, uh, then that show, we did it again at Battersea Arts Centre. Then we did it again at the Royal Festival Hall. And um, and a friend of mine bought a drinking buddy of his along. He happened to work at Penguin to the one at the Royal Festival Hall, who this was 20... 18 by this point who said this should be a book and I said yes it should it's 10 years later <laughs> it should be a book and so um so it became a book and so it's basically a collection a pluralist collection so I've got our first um communist mayor um Annie Powell who was a communist mayor in Wales next to Margaret Thatcher um all these different speeches from Oprah to Boudicca to Michelle Obama to Greta to uh, you know, 16th century nuns in uh, Spain um, and and just a, a load of amazing thought leadership from women across the centuries and across the globe in there. Amazing. It's called Outspoken. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. You've got amazing energy. I mean, when I look at the things you get done, a lot of people sit around and have ideas, but you go, right, we're going to get this done. And in five weeks, we're going to be on the stage of, you know, wherever it is, Wembley. Where do you get your energy from? Or does it, does it, do you know? Do you know what? I'm not, it's something I might speak to my therapist about because it came, <laughs> came up this week. Um, I got this award on Monday and I, I, I put it on my Facebook um, and a really old friend said, I'm just amazed at how much you do. And I just wrote, I've obviously got a lot to prove um, oh, on it. And um, I think, I mean, there's, there's uh, you know, I'm overcompensating in some ways yeah. as well as just being somebody who can get stuff done. Like yeah. I am just somebody who can see a way of getting stuff done. And, mm. you know, I'm quite optimistic, mm. yet, you know. At, um, so, but at the same time, there's, there's probably something that I'm compensating for as well. Mm. And how do you, how do you look after you know, how do you look after Debs? Because you've a lot of your attention's pointing out, and you know, you've you, you've just studied. Also, is that right to be a therapist? Yeah, so I'm, I've I've started a course at the Welsh Psychotherapy Institute um, in Gestalt Psychotherapy. So we're in year one at the moment. It's a four year course. All right. I don't I don't know if I'll do the whole thing. I don't know at the moment. I'm still I'm still thinking about it, but I am loving what I'm finding out. Um, and discovering through it it's fascinating what do you love what are some of the things you love I think the thing that so we have a thing called group process that begins and ends every um, day of training and it's just fascinating to have a space where you literally just observe you're trying to act in a very you're you're all trying to um, say what you really are thinking and yeah and not hide things basically and as soon as you do that with a group of people it is just fascinating it's powerful personally but it's also amazing to observe the many different mm. ways in which 
we're, you know, constantly covering things up or protecting ourselves or protecting mm. other people from things. And so a lot mm. goes unsaid. And yet we pick up on those things. So when we're picking up on kind of like, are we really sure about that person who did an interview? Do we think they're really telling the truth? Well, the chances are they are telling the truth in in one way to protect themselves. Yes. You know? Um, but you get a sense of the feeling of like, oh, what's good? There's something else going on, and there probably is something else going on. So it's kind of it's made me kind of yeah, just think about all the stuff that's going on unsaid. That's beautiful. It's like not reducing things to true, true or false, but but acknowledging that there are many realities for us living inside mm-hmm. of us, and there's shades. And again, the arts are very good at that, aren't they? they you know, it's not black and white. It's mm-hmm. it's it's all it's multicolored. It's symphonic and so on. Time, Earth time, anyway, passes at an extraordinary rate. I can't believe how long we've been talking. It seems like a, a blip, but I'm going to let you go. But I'm going to ask you a couple of final questions, which is about the word wonder and, and, and whether there's anything that you're wondering about at the moment in either, in either or both senses of something that makes you wonder in the sense that you're just like awestruck by, wow, or, and or something that makes you go, what the hell, what the hell is going on? That's very puzzling, like scratching your head. Anything like that going on for for Debs Coughlin at this moment? What's making what you know what what or who makes you go? Oh, you're amazing. <laughs> I can say the frustrating one first, please. <laughs> so the frustrating one is the repeating of history. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's another. That's one of the reasons I did the book was because I just felt. We don't know what's come before us. We don't know it deep enough and nuanced enough, and we need to know that. There's a great speech in there by a woman called Margaret Smith, who was the first ever woman who was a presidential candidate, and she does a speech about how she's sick of Republicans being called fascists and Democrats being called communists, and we've got to stop this psychological war between each other. It could be that speech could be given today. Without the whole thing could be given today, um, and so I'm frustrated at the the lack of evolution that seems to go on. Even in the short time I've been around, I can see things are repeating themselves, and it's it can be disheartening at worst, um, and frustrating at best. I yeah. think it's like a friend of mine talks about the the wave of learning and the wave of forgetting, mm. and they're kind of back to back to waves. That that notion that you know, can we can we get it so that the wave of learning outstrips the wave of forgetting? Because as you're saying, there are people, you know, there are people making decisions now that don't remember what a war is like, and so they've mm-hmm. just kind of forgotten. And it seems mm-hmm. seems yeah. yeah. And anything that's filling you with wonder of the other <laughs> kind of the. <gasps> kind obviously oddball the dog (laughs) i have to say actually being in rural wales in beautiful larn in carmarthenshire it is the the sky at night (gasps) it's unbelievable i i get so awestruck i get scared sometimes i'm like oh my god i really am in a universe because i'd completely forgotten in london Mm. and um yeah there's just no light pollution so you can see the milky way it's incredible
Okay, Wanderistas. Uh, this is the experience bit, the bit where I stop talking in a bit and um, we take an idea from our guest and play with it. And things get a bit wonderful, hopefully. Um, and the thing that leapt out of uh, the conversation with Debs was her kind of conviction that she could change things. And I just wanted us to play with that. And it's a simple exercise if you want a game, an experience. And it's simply this, it's ask yourself the question, can I leave this street better than I found it? Can I leave this street better than I found it? And so what I mean is, as you continue to wander, let's take, you know, seven to 10 minutes. And as we wander around, just see if you can do that. See if you can make a change that in your view, however small, makes the street and in a small way, the world a little bit better. And it could be picking up a piece of rubbish on the floor. It could be, yesterday I saw a guy who just, who stopped in front of a bin and just, you know, a, a rubbish bin and just moved it. And that tiny bit, he obviously thought it would fit, <laughs> moved it an inch one way. Um, could be saying hello to a stranger, you know, increase the, increase the stock of friendliness in the world. So that, that, that couldn't hurt. So that's it, that's our mission. Next 10 minutes, pause, pause the um, podcast now. 10 minutes, see if you can leave the streets you're walking through better than you found them. Uh, speak to you soon and we'll see what happened. Okay, wonderful people. So, ch -ch -ch changes. What was that like for you? For me, it was interesting. I wasn't super imaginative, I have to say. I did what I said. I picked up some rubbish, put it in a bin, and then I moved the bin and made it a little bit more perpendicular, which was good. I mean, it, not huge, but good who knows what effect that might have the butterfly effect but I think you know the main this might sound odd, but the main way I hoped I made a change and improved the street I was in was inside myself actually just by asking myself how could I make a small change to make this better I felt better I felt more I had more agency more power like this is a kind of game we're playing and it's a game we can win if we work together so a little bit of that sense and I can't help thinking that people who feel happier and more a bit more in control a bit more in control is not the right word but a bit more active activist is making the street better that's my that's my view I guess we'd have to ask the street it's not saying anything right at the moment but um, what about you? What was it like for you? What changes did you make? What changes could you keep making? And how did that make the street better and make you feel better possibly? Let us know. We'd love to hear. Um, it's time for thanks really. It's time to thank Deborah Coughlin um, for taking the time to speak to us, for inspiring me to think slightly differently about changes. Um, and to thank you 
wonderful audio companion for uh, sauntering with me through this, uh, this podcast. So that's it for now. See you, um, hope to see you at the next episode of Wonderful for some more inspiration on the go. Take care. If you want to find out more about how you can use these techniques to find clarity and navigate your life, then check out streetwisdom.org. Street Wisdom is a non-profit founded by David Pearl and is in 67 countries around the world. It's a free workshop run by volunteers and its mission is to bring inspiration to every street on earth. If you'd like to get involved, you can join a free workshop or download our audio guide from streetwisdom.org. We'd love for you to share the magic of street wisdom, so please do tell a friend. And you can give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at streetwisdom underscore. And if you'd like a copy of Wonderful, you can find it on Amazon in book and Kindle form. All profits will go to Street Wisdom. Wonderful is a Pearl Group production. You can find David on social media at David Pearl here or his website davidpearl.net.